Hello, reanimated fans. Welcome to this week's episode. We're actually getting this one out uh, because because there's some travel plans and things like that. So no news on this one, but I am joined as always by my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. G'day, mate. Um, and I'm H.A. Conrad, and we are going to be talking today about uh, the episode 18 of season 11, last season of The Walking Dead, called uh, A New Deal. And this is a continuation um, that I, you know, spoiled in the last episode. Um, <laughs> we started to spoil in the last, last episode of our last bit of this final season of Walking Dead before all the spinoffs and other projects happen. Um, and so where we left off, um, we had a standoff in the Stewart. Sorry, in in the Stewarts. Yes, no, yes. A standoff in the sewers uh, with, you know, Hornsby and Daryl and Maggie and. Carol and Governor Milton and, and Mercer come in uh, to change that entire dynamic. And but first we have a, another uh, montage. Yep. Uh, which I think is just, just going to be how they open all these episodes. Yeah. And it's and again, voiced by, I believe by Judith. I can't really tell the difference between her voice and Gracie's at this point. So if they use another yeah. young actor, I might not get it right, but I feel like it's Judith. And she's talking about like, I don't think people go away when they die. And she's not talking about zombies. I think she's talking about like the memory and the legacy. Yeah. Uh, but there's a bunch of shots of Daryl's hair journey and his motorcycle yeah. uh, enthusiasm and his brother. I was hoping to see more of his vest journey because that vest and they 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 put that into this episode. That's pretty it's pretty iconic in this episode that right. and the Python get in, reintroduced in this episode, the Python mm -hmm. being Rick's old gun yep. um, get reintroduced in this episode. And it, it feels like these are like shots that you would see in a two-page spread in a comic book in a way yeah and i i mean i really like that again man this show has been on a while we've all aged like twice over since the pandemic so yeah maybe that's part of it but it was cool seeing some of those shots and seeing you know um again the journey of his hair the journey of his grime um nobody does dirty weird hair like daryl no nope. um, norma has probably has a patent on it at this point <laughs> <laughs> and so so that's kind of cool um i guess you know my thing about all of this stuff with the commonwealth and things that you and i have been frustrated with is that one of the things in this i don't know that it comes through maybe it does come through in this episode there's a lot of sort of unlikely things that happen with these characters that i don't think that they would tolerate in a normal scenario like i guess you can make hay on the fact that they're in this civilized place with medical care with other things and they do play upon this theme quite a bit in this episode with various characters um but it's sort of like okay we're in yet another community where it seemed like things were, were going well but things aren't what they seem there's a corrupt element um there's always this element of power where you know somebody is getting taken advantage of and you know are we going to try to help this community like we did with others or are we just going to like accept it or are we going to leave? Like there's a lot of that dynamic going on that I don't know that they successfully resolve. But so I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, I would I would say right off the bat, they do not resolve it. But I think that this was the first time we've seen this kind of dialogue and plot happening on this show. It's mm -hmm. a very familiar trope, the about to collapse community. But I think what, where they're where they're like disrupting that is we have multiple characters who are not talking with each other, talking mm -hmm. about how this place is going to fall apart and we right. can change that and we can help. 
And I think that that is, uh, that's a pretty cool message that you don't see often in this genre. And so uh, I liked that. And I like the fact that it was, it was not just Judith. Uh, mm-hmm. It was also Ezekiel. It was Gabriel. Uh, I feel like those were the main three who all had like a scene where they were talking about wanting to make a difference. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. And Max. I think you have Max well, and Eugene. Yeah. Too. But Max, Max isn't going to leave. Like she, she, it, yeah. Like, you know, Eugene tries his best to like get her to come away, but she's not going to leave because, well, her brother is, right. is General Mercer. Um, and Yumiko has also said she's not going to leave because her brother, Tommy, Tommy is Tommy. that uh, baker slash surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but who she's not in never, this episode. Who, we, who we've not seen again. We yep. just hear him mentioned. Um, He's probably just so, still working on his accent. Maybe, maybe. But I mean, look, I don't see like. The, the thing is with him, I think he would absolutely leave in a heartbeat. Like, I think he's very tired of being in this weird scenario. And as seems long as he doesn't have out. to be a doctor, he will go wherever you ask him to go. Right. Yeah. Can I just bake? Do you guys have any flour? We have a windmill. Yeah. I mean... Frost cakes. Um, <laughs> you know, um, that's just what I want to do. Um, but anyway, I, I, I liked how they examined it. I liked that this was, there was an awareness that they knew that, that they had seen this before and that this community was collapsing. Um, I think the one thing that just didn't feel like, and this is, again, I think this is the pandemic issue with filming and whatever. You never get the sense of the, the sort of like numbers in this community. We just see these weird little square, like photos of, or like scenes of the square where all the action tends to happen. Um, And, you and know, so just to reiterate, this is the square of a town of 10,000 people. Right. Maybe pre pre pandemic. And yet they've said that there's 50,000 people in the right. in the Commonwealth. Right. And so and and this is the central place. And I get it again that there were limitations and things that they had to do, but it still feels very sparsely populated. Um, in a way that makes it feel like and and the reason why I bring this up is that it makes the stakes feel a lot lower because you're only seeing like this sliver of the population and it's like well that shouldn't be that much to manage and and it's it makes it a little bit hard to understand why Milton like is like oh I want this power it's like well what power you've got this like weird little square with ice cream that's it <laughs> um you know it, like it's just it's kind what of, the ice cream represents H.A. I guess it I represents guess. refrigeration Mm, lots of ingredients but they but taking that aside what they are really portraying with milton with the deal that carol made with her um which we we find out about it at the beginning of this episode um is that you know she wants to continue this legacy which she does feel like she feels very strongly that like she was meant to do this even though she didn't choose it it's her duty to do it so there's like this weird mishmash of like this is sort of like the familial thing that we're supposed to be leaders. Yeah. Like also... where, where did this, I mean, I guess they're establishing that it's a dynasty, right? That her grandfather, her father was a president of the United States. Maybe when the apocalypse happened, we're right. not, we and don't really know the timeline. Grandfather was also, yeah. Like, like just, well, there I think was... her, his, her, she, when she talks about grandfather, she's talking to Sebastian right, about her but there's father. This in, there's this in, implication that this isn't just her dad. Like this was like, yeah, Bad. they're a they're a Kennedy. They they've already kind Bush, of done some of the work. Yeah, uh, a Bush family, Kennedy, whatever legacy you want to talk about. But um, uh-huh. just to to go back to the beginning of the episode real quick, where Daryl 
does eventually give in and, and hands Hornsby over to Milton and Mercer and Carol and Negan, who all just randomly showed up in this yep. sewer. His sewer. Uh, but he doesn't do it without stabbing him through the hand. Yeah. Um, first, adding just one more wound to Hornsby. He is starting to feel kind of like a punching bag uh, yeah. of a bad guy. But the the thing is, he's never, uh, other than the pain and like when he is occasionally scared, he's almost always very calm and collected. Yep. Especially later in the jail scenes, even though he's been through all this stuff, he's still just kind of like, yeah, I've got the upper hand. Um, and he has that scene after they make the deal with mm-hmm. Mercer, where he's telling Mercer, like, yeah, go do your job. And he's he's the one who's zip tied. Yeah. Um, which is kind of just incredible. I mean, I guess it's more Josh Hamilton just being like a good bad guy. But mm-hmm. uh, I thought that those were pretty crazy scenes. It's not till he's talking to Milton and then gets some weird like sex look on his face yeah. uh, that you're like, oh, OK, oh, what's going on over here? And she seems to be able to pull his strings and push his buttons quite well. And also maybe was his lover sometime. Probably. Um, and but again, he plays this character really well, really creepy. Um, and in part, that is like that weird calm that he's got going on and that weird control. He plays that to the hilt. And I think he does a good job. And the, um, just the line that they wrote for her to to give him in that scene where she calls him an angry, delusional little boy mm-hmm. trying to win a game, but not realizing you've never been a player. I just thought was good writing, uh, really good between those two characters. And of course, the uh, the weird sex face thing kind of just took it to a different place. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? You can't you can't have can't have it all. Um, but I did like, you know, you see a, there's a trust that they show with um, with Daryl and Carol again, where, you know, she she's done this deal with Milton and he's just like, God, what did you do? You know, and it's this this moment where he's just like, gosh, Carol again, you know, like we had a plan here. And yeah, um, is this going back to like her stuff with Alpha? Is he still yeah, kind of? I guess I think so. That- huh? I think that that was the implication there. However, he does trust her and he's like, God, you know, I fine. I'll just stabby stab this guy through the hand to make myself feel better. But I mean, fine. in a way, he's the one who's acting more irrational than she. Oh, I don't know. Why does he want to kill Hornsby so badly? Has Hornsby, I guess he's threatened everybody, but he is he. Yeah. And he's threatened his kids, which is the big yeah. with him, I think. Yeah. Um, that's his issue. And, um, you know, his his feeling, I think, is that the only good Hornsby is a dead Hornsby and he's dangerous. And so um, but but the fact that, you know, and they come up with this whole plan to make Hornsby the scapegoat, which is not a bad plan, except Hornsby is definitely so schmarmy and he's been doing some things. I, I feel I do feel like Milton and others might have been and and honestly, Mercer, probably given the stuff that's been happening with Hornsby. I feel like they may have done a little bit. They should have. And probably I think if things were realistic, would have done a little bit of due diligence about what was happening with him and trying to figure out what his little nefarious things are. And he even says this to Milton is that, you know, during their creepy little conversation um, that, oh, she doesn't have an awareness of these things that are happening. And, and she she dismisses him be- with that line and is just like, yeah, I got this covered 
And I don't, again, just given how they have created her character, I, I feel like that doesn't ring true to me. I feel yeah. like she would have run down every lead to make sure, because she came so close to losing control and losing power, she's going to want to make sure that it's fully in her grip again, right? No, it's clearly, you know, this episode makes it very clear that her leadership is not nearly as secure as she seems to think it is, too. Right. Um, so I feel like it. they missed an opportunity to sort of show that she's how, working harder to like, right. ma- yeah, to save it all. Right. Yeah. Because he does basically threaten her with like, but he's very vague. He's just like some alliances and things will be in trouble if I am not here to keep it going. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, OK, I don't know what that means. Bye. I'm going to let this go and walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then there's like this weird um, public hearing where Hornsby is, she lays everything at his feet. Uh, and there's a bunch of Alexandrian King Top people there um, who apparently had just been let in. Yeah. Because they were never there before, like Lydia, Elijah, yep. um, Maggie, I think, is the, everybody's there. Like everybody's brought in. And this is part of the 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 payoff. Right. This is part of the deal that Carol has made. And it becomes clear as we go through the episode that they're going to get uh, supplies and then left to their own devices, assuming that they can they're willing to hand over horn in a way. This is kind of a great deal for them. Milton already has Hornsby. She doesn't need to mm-hmm. treat them the way that she does. Like she could just say, all right, I got what I need. I've got my scapegoat. Goodbye. Uh, you guys, yeah, except that they've been showing that they can cause trouble, and I think she just wants to possibly wash her hands of it. But she's not forcing them to leave; she's right. letting them leave, right? right so right. if if she did want to wash her hands of these meddlesome she kids, would just make them leave, right? She, she could just banish leave. them, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess it's it's a good deal for them, and not as savvy for Milton unless she just thinks like she's going to buy all this goodwill by giving them supplies and or maybe she she's would because biding, or she's just biding her time which is probably more likely is that she's going to wait till things are on more solid ground and then you know see what happens and it's not like she doesn't have power because she still she still has her military and other things um and so maybe it's just that okay I'm going to table this for now and let them think this and this sounds more like her to me um, but also, you know, she wants to maintain her power. She wants to maintain her grip. And to do that, she's got to do- maintain some control. And she, I think, recognizes that this group of people are rabble rousers. Um, so you're right. I think it would make more sense if she was like forcing them out because she doesn't want them influencing because ever since she let them in the community, they've been doing these, you know, the articles came out about the house and her son. And like, I feel like it's not over yet. Like that's yeah. going to be tension. and she, <laughs> well, even, yeah, yeah, and she even implies that with like, um, you know, she's like talks to to um, Yumiko about um, about the um, fact that you know, oh, your friend is this journalist, and oh, I, how do I trust you, and all this stuff, and then that's such know, a BS answer though, like saying I can't is. trust my lawyer because she's friends with a journalist. Then that just means you don't trust your lawyer. Period. Because right. otherwise, you would believe that they have an oath. And they they have an attorney client privilege and these kinds of things, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I just it's not I get why they do it, and then there's you know we see the payoff in this episode or whatever. But her 
sort of, I get it that it's a family dynasty and whatever, but her son has shown just such horrible, like, judgment, horrible decision-making. It's a hell of a blind spot for Milton. And it's a blind spot that I don't fully buy because she also recognizes that he is, like, absolutely um, a... He is basically the person that could lose everything because of his behavior. Like, I don't think she is going to try to coach him into being the next person. He's a liability on every level. Mm -hmm. So that's the other, like her, they, they raise her up as this like very savvy person. I guess they're leaning really hard on the fact that, you know, she's got a blind spot for her kid. Um, And he tries to explain it a little bit by saying something like, oh, it really was supposed to be my brother, but I was one who survived, you know. So I think they try to sort of like say, oh, well, I'm what's left. And so she's just going to take what she's going to get. But basically, all this incident caused her to come really close to losing everything. So I don't know that she's going to try to put him in a seat of power. What did you think about that? I mean, I just felt it was like a weird decision. Yeah, it, uh, I, I I agree. I mean, I think that this is a uh, a writer's room sort of, you know, escape clause where they could say, oh, well, it's her kid. So she's not going to know how bad a decision she's making. But like you every scene that she is in with Sebastian, where she's trying to get him to read this speech, he is screaming and throwing a tantrum, basically. And she like threatens him, but it doesn't really put him in order for very long. So yeah, I, I think it's unfortunately not like the best use of, but, of plot here. But he is such a mustache twirly little smarmy side villain that that's the catalyst for Max's behavior, basically, because she's just like, yeah. oh, my gosh. The it wasn't clear that- in the course of how she was going ahead with her little like, um, you know, mm-hmm. sabotage plan, how much other people were in on it. I guess right. Eugene ended up being in on it but nobody else maybe it's uh it seems like it was very much something that she came up with on the fly even yeah then yep. it's she you know it's it's like a, a nice little move where she maneuvers him into just saying what he thinks about the you know the system and uh again like this this storyline is <laughs> is so like socialist it's uh it's pretty wild mhm i think we see a lot with um and it and the payoff, I suppose, is that ultimately they take him out and he gets taken out in a way that, you know, I guess is sort of satisfying because he's so shmarmy. But it's also like, even though he hasn't had that much experience dealing with walkers, I just don't know that it felt like it was like he was laying still for a really long time, allowing that walker to get a grip on him. <laughs> yeah, those are, it was a good comeuppance, though. Well, I did want to talk about how. We have some scenes here, and this is one of the scenes where Judith is giving Daryl a hard time about mm-hmm. basically how she's telling him he wants to run away and not help, not help the Commonwealth. Um, and that's all happening while we are watching Aaron, Jerry, Elijah, and Lydia get on a wagon and go to Oceanside to just check in on them. Uh, I think it's the first time Cindy has been mentioned in years. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, which I thought was kind of crazy because she like the, the actor who played Cindy was in. I don't know what season that was, but it was when Tara went to Oceanside. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then Rachel, Rebecca or Rachel, I forget if it's Rachel or Rebecca, but became the leader. And she's been the only person from Oceanside that we've really seen ever since. Uh, but they're going to go there. And uh, Elijah and Lydia are now shacked up. There's some like there's some kind of dialogue between Lydia and different people about like, you know, thank you. And you're the best. No, you're the best. I don't know. What what was your take on all of this? There, there was a lot of like kind of. Pack, we're packing up. We're getting the hell out of here, sort of stuff. But There's did you have a, a vibe on it? Just even with the the Lydia and, and Elijah thing, like it felt very like it, there were some good scenes, but th- some of it felt really like shoehorned in because we haven't seen these people for ages, and it was just kind of weird. And then the sort of the sort of debate there is this conflict where it's like, do we stay and help this community? Well, no, we we kind of want to go and get away and we know this community that we already have so we're just gonna like it's almost like do i have it in me to help yet another community that seems to be falling apart and that's kind of the theme don't they keep Um, saying this isn't our problem anymore yeah a little bit of that and um you know so there are those things um and we and they highlight this with the conversations with judith and daryl with um a little bit with Lydia and Carol, um, uh, definitely with Gabriel and Rosita. Um, and so it's, it's this debate that they're all having. Um, and look, like we're also like, to me, this does make sense though, because look, there are, there are these multiple communities that have been, it's like, they've been there, done that. They've seen this multiple times. But not on and- a scale. I feel like that's, that's gotta be, unfortunately, the show isn't doing the job of showing us the scale, but mm-hmm. Kingdom, Alexandria, Hilltop, Oceanside, all of them probably a few hundred people if we, I don't know, even know anymore, like since the savior war, it's been really hard to figure out, mm-hmm. but they are all on their last legs. Uh, but like less than a thousand people between the, th- the, the four, the three communities, but this is 50,000. And like on some level, at least what I would expect to be a plot point is how can we possibly hope to help these guys out? There's only like eight of us. Right. You know, that would be my, my expectation that doesn't seem to come up and also the show doesn't really want us to think about it in terms of that yeah and you know the interesting thing i thought about it was like the person it one of the one of the little vignettes they use in this is with negan um and his wife and looking at the ultrasound um and realizing that there's something going on and he makes a comment just about the fact like out of everybody, you would have thought that he would have been the one that, because he just doesn't trust these things. However, he is somebody that built a community and does see the value in those things or did before, even if it's like a dysfunctional community. And so, you know, I thought that that was an interesting um, juxtaposition that they threw in there. Um, just yeah. the, like his his thoughts versus others. Especially. And her, her perspective that like Hornsby and the Commonwealth murdered her community. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting though, because, you know, the looking at, a very complex conversation and you wonder how, I mean, I'm sure he told her some things, but this is something that he would do with his communities. When he led a community, <laughs> he would torture and kill and, and then bring them into the community or bring some of them into the community so that's like a really like i sense that there there's going to be a conflict i also have to say that there is a lot of foreboding with this little 
this little family scenario they've created with him, I think we all know that something's going to happen. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to, you don't want to get attached to her for that reason, but I do like, oh, how they're- yeah. The fact that she's not on the poster art for their spinoff show. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> and something's going to have to happen. Uh-oh. Um, you know, so, so yeah. Um, I like, but I did like that specific scene because of the things that it uncovers and the complexities of what he is, is probably grappling with. Um, you know, we've seen him and they've built him in this way that this is something that's very important to him in a way that he's like actually pretty terrified, right? Like this is not your, this is a different kind of Negan that we're seeing. We believe that though. Do you believe that he's, well, I think that he's still old Negan is still there and just ready to, to run, but there's a part of him that really is protecting like this woman and his child. Um, But I think we're going to, they're obviously going to use that down the line to, to change some things. Right. So, um, I agree. That was an interesting scene. Um, and you know, just kind of also the uh, the the realization that a lot of people have been doing home births, uh, you know, outside of places like Commonwealth. Maybe they had got like a midwife or a doula or something, but most people are uh, are just kind of knocking that out at home. Um, one more thought, going back to the uh, the cart of Jerry, Aaron, Elijah, Lydia driving off to Oceanside. Once again, Jerry's family. Where are they? Why doesn't he get a goodbye? With <laughs> like Gracie's there right. crying uh, with Aaron. Where is Nabila and their 17 children? What happened? Why, Jerry? I know children yeah. actors are expensive. I know, but also they've used so many extras. You would have thought that they could have gotten them into this, right? Like, um, you know, uh, gotten them into this episode at least a little bit because it does make you. It's like, did Jerry and Nabila? Did have they a have a fall- Yeah. Is he not like, married like, anymore? Are they divorced now? I don't know. So it makes you wonder, like, it's such a big hole that they don't even reference it. Like, even if they had just showed them on the wagons, that would have been fine. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you could have done it. Like, just have like a a bunch of faceless kids in the back, like in the way back of a background shot, like waving or I don't know. Just something. I mean, you could have you could have done something. But anyway, um so that's kind of interesting that that's where they're going. Carol goes to talk to Ezekiel, who's setting up for Founders Day, <clears throat> putting out his like petting zoo, which is like it's it's kind of cute, but it's also like dude used to have a tiger. Now he has goats yep. and bunnies. But yeah, yeah he's yeah. also just like I'm not leaving. I can make a difference here. This you guys gave me a second chance, and I'm going to use it to help yep. this kingdom uh, yeah. before it falls. And I thought that was like. That was pretty great. I also and like very, the fact that very on brand for him, right? Like this is totally in line with well, what we know about him. And it's it's like a, a reborn version of him where he's not pining for her anymore mm-hmm. um, and not, you know, morose. And so I think this is a version of Ezekiel that we all like. Um, and and even though Carol is a little bit like hurt or, yeah, she's a little sad that he doesn't want to come with. I don't know. She putting out some mixed messages. She is, but she also always wants it all, you know. That's yeah. the that's the that's on brand for Carol, I'd say. But uh he's he's not coming. We know that he's not coming. We know that Judith wants to stay and help. And I think we've had the Gabriel discussion. No, it's happening later when he's like re-de- re-delivering his uh, his sermon that he'd already delivered. I don't know why he did that, but uh he was as he was feeling very um he was having second thoughts about leaving and and feeling like he had 
kind of refound his faith and refound his flock and doesn't want to abandon them. I don't feel like they really finished that conversation because then they hear Judith come in the window. And then by the time Daryl gets to the church, they're gone. Him and uh, uh, Rosita. Right. Also, can we talk about Judith coming in through the window? <laughs> it's like very <laughs> odd. Like She's such a scamp. You're such a scamp, but also, you know, you could have stealthily come in and another, I don't know. It was just odd, but yeah. Um, I did like the conversation between Gabriel and Rosita. And again, like I was sort of like there, if you remember what happened to Gabriel, even in, when we first met him, he's always had this, you know, he lost his faith. He felt like he had abandoned his flock. Um, he, he had a lot of guilt and we've seen him grapple with these things throughout the series. So I, I liked that this was a conversation that they were having. Um, and there's, so that was kind of a cool thing, but I agree. It didn't feel fully cause they got interrupted, but it didn't feel like it was resolved. So maybe they'll come back to that. Yeah, I guess they'll have to, um, another funny thing that happens in this episode is when Daryl realizes Judith is missing. He goes and talks to RJ who is reading, uh, invincible, yep. <laughs> which I was like, that is so inappropriate because of how hey. violent that ep- that yes. comic is. Like that kid should not. But again, look at the world. He, he lives in a zombie apocalypse. He lives in so a I... zombie apocalypse. I think that's probably there's nothing in there he hasn't seen. It's probably fine. Also, uh, did did Invincible exist before 2010? I kind of think it didn't. I don't know. But um, I thought that was a cool shout out to uh, to Robert Kirkman. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, um. So anyway, I thought that was pretty. Um. Pretty, pretty cool overall. Um, Carol so. and Daryl are out looking for Judith before he finds her at the church. And she's like reminiscing about parenting and Sophia. And I thought that was actually quite touching also. Like you have a lot of, and I think this is Angela Kang having like, you know, all these feelings about the show ending and putting it into the series. And so we have conversations like that, which I think are uh, maybe they've been having these all the time anyway, but they just didn't want us to keep hearing about Sophia because I'm sure Carol thinks about her all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but it's kind of, it's to me, it was kind of interesting to hear her talking about mother, you know, be, motherhood and, and being a good parent to Sophia. I know. And I liked that. And I also, you know, there's also a lot of things that we're talking about, um, in terms of you know Daryl, Daryl's like God, I, I'm terrible at doing this. <laughs> oh yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. I yeah, I hear that awesome. that that I hear that so much. I mean, yeah, that is that is everything. I mean, that's adulting in a lot of ways. Right, right. It's so, hard to I, say that to a kid because, yep. uh, but and yet you know sometimes kids respond well to that. But I I do like how they come back full force with this later on, and there's a nice understanding between him and um him and and judith and there's also like with judith judith has grown up in this apocalypse um there's the moment where he tries to give her the gun and she like doesn't want to take it because she wants to live in the world like it's it's a little bit of like wishful thinking right on yeah. the, uh, everybody's part that oh we could live in this different world um but at the end realizes the necessity of of defending other people in her family and she's good at doing that and also just you know the understanding and the 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 understanding she and daryl come to together which i thought was a really good moment between those two and then when they get into the the crowd of walkers and the the sort of town square um i did like how how judith took you know she's like okay well 
guess this isn't the world, so I'm going to do what I got to do. Um, That's the, a whole the, lot of gun for a little girl. I'll tell you that much. It is. It is. And, and a little bit, again, this is like a disbelief, like the kickback on that thing is probably not something a kid can handle. No. Um, but I miss, it, I miss her katana or her little... Uh, yeah, that short was short sword. I mean, I don't know where that is. Hopefully it's not like gone. Yeah. Um, but I do like the look on her friend's face who's never had to deal with it. <laughs> like... Yeah, that was that was pretty good. And it, I mean it was obvious, but because they had her like meet her at the ring toss and they yeah, had some yeah. like fun girl time. And then <laughs> two scenes later, <laughs> Judith is executing uh, walkers with uh, a massive gun, and her friend is like, What? Right. Um, and, you know, Angela Kang talks about that, like loss of innocence or loss, re-loss of innocence that Judith is experiencing in those scenes. And I thought that was right. That was well done. Um, uh, you know, and Hornsby's little crew of uh, of secret police continue to be real thorns. Um, they have some sort of plan with him to yep. let him out. But we don't really know how it's going you, you to just unfold. Know he's eating that delicious, delicious candied apple with a lot of satisfaction. Yeah, and he's um, had his interaction with Eugene and Max, where he basically insinuates that he knew she was there and had maybe heard them coming because they weren't being very quiet, uh, and doesn't give them doesn't give them anything they could really use. I feel like, but also is threatening because he's basically like, I know that Max has been doing this subversive stuff, so it doesn't yeah. wouldn't take much for me to out her and you to. Milton um, and you know then she goes through with like her whole plan because I do think that part of why she goes through with it is not just because she thinks it's for the good of the Commonwealth but also because Hornsby is threatening her with this and it's almost like well it's now or never um, like there's some I think idea that he's going to use that as a bargaining chip well that's a good point yeah it does kind of raise the stakes for her so yeah what what else what else does she have on her that she could do and it does like it is a little bit unrealistic that the miltons have somehow secured their power base that quickly going from like protests and riots and tear gas the night before well and you know with this population would they believe this excuse would they believe this scapegoating and that is the part that doesn't fully sit well with me but i mean I will say that part of how they play this when uh, Sebastian is doing his speech and he actually starts to do a pretty good speech, which I think was the point is that he could have probably faked it enough, um, you know, to get to to kind of continue the legacy. But, um, you know, of course, Max plays the recording and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. But, you know, there is skepticism even when he's talking and it's it's really just like I think that the sense of of peace is is very thin and easily broken clearly is easily broken when this you know when all hell breaks loose um after she plays a recording but i don't think that it was fully put to the rest i think that they would like to think it is um and they did you know they were talking about how milton was playing everything perfectly about you know talking about Hornsby being yeah. the cause of all this and I think maybe it could have gotten there if Max hadn't done this and that's what she was afraid of she was like oh, we can't go back to doing this status quo thing my eyes are open now I can't just sit here and watch this little weasel come in because he is bad news and he is somebody that's going to cause a lot of pain down the line and so she views that as her responsibility and I and I get that so I thought that that was okay again I think that we just don't feel the the sort of like 
the bigness of all of this community and how this is going down because of how they had to do it. And Angela Kane's even talking about how in the sort of after show, uh, just how um, even with the Founder Day, Founders Day celebration in the comic books, it was actually football. Um, and I did wonder about that, but I kind of figured it was because of pandemic. And indeed, she said it was because of the pandemic because they had such spef- like specific things that they couldn't could and couldn't do. So they picked wrestling to make it more of like a pageantry thing because you could kind of keep it limited. So it I mean, imagine me how many extras they would have needed to do a football game too. Right? So that that kind of makes me sad just that, you know, I think her vision probably had to shift a bit of, with how they're presenting this and maybe doesn't have quite the impact because of that, but I think that they made choices. I do I do think the wrestling thing did work. So that was that was kind of nice um just the idea of that being okay, this is another manipulation that we're doing for mm-hmm. the Founders Day thing. And, and it was like Captain Common wealth or whoever was the winning right, wrestler right, right. of course yeah yeah so, um, um yeah I, I thought the the way that the scene also kind of like unravels too after the speech and then the recording is played and then suddenly she's in the ring i guess that's where the speeches were happening maybe in the ring and mm-hmm. she's getting pelted with stuff from the crowd um it's a very i mean this, this episode ends while everything is still in complete chaos, there are walkers who have been attacking people. The The citizens of the Commonwealth are predictably very bad at defending themselves, like in any community where people are allowed to go back to the way it was. Uh, this is a very old refrain for you and me, H.A., where in the zombie apocalypse, where if anybody dies of a heart attack or whatever, they're a zombie now. Like nobody should be this incapable of defending themselves. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, and And OK. And I can believe that maybe people are out of practice, but I think just from a survival instinct point of view, like not all these people were in this commonwealth. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like they assume that they would be here from the beginning, that they wouldn't know how to do that. And that was a little hard to swallow. Yeah. I don't remember in processing if there was like a, oh, no weapons inside the wire, uh, if that was a rule, but it certainly seems to be the case. Like only the soldiers seem to have weapons nobody else even has knives although daryl is wearing his giant knives and obviously has the python in the crowd uh wasn't sure if that was because he was expecting to leave right afterwards or what yeah um but most people are not armed and a lot of people are just getting like fall down and then there's like three three of them who get uh big bites taken out of their backs it's pretty uh some pretty good zombie biting stuff going on which i enjoyed yeah um and I, I really, you know, it, it was a little predictable, but so Sebastian catches up with Max, throws her at a zombie. Eugene saves her, throws the zombie back at Sebastian. It's kind of like a grenade, I the know. grenade trope, right? Uh, except instead of having somebody to save him, Sebastian has nobody and the people just kind of watch uh, as the inevitable happens. He, however, is not dealt with at the end of this. So I don't know if we're going to see him as a zombie you might see zombie sebastian i think there has to be that right where we see go- like probably milton is gonna come through and either do deal with him or like i think there has to be that milton right? milton is a big question mark and yeah. the last thing we saw her of her was getting pelted by bottles right. she the crowd has turned on her she has certainly turned on it feels like she's about to turn on the crowd mm-hmm. she still has some soldiers with her she's telling mercer that his job is to protect her right which i thought was a, a nice little touch that he's he's like no i have to save the people right. um of this of this community and you have you know he's leaving her with soldiers but how the matter of, it's just a matter of time before she tells her soldiers to turn their guns on the crowd it feels like right 
Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, his, their interactions are definitely like he's on her bad list now, right? Like she's not excited about what he has just said to her. Oh, there's um, just this so. massive disconnect between her and everybody around her, mm-hmm. which is a little hard to to like you know completely do the math on that. I, I feel like. So p- part of me feels like the story of the uh, the one percent oh, doesn't yeah. really work in this. First of all, in this size of a community, and in the post-apocalyptic setting, right? I just don't think people would put up with it. Right? So it's been it, like a cool metaphor. That's you know part of the reason why I love zombie. This genre is you can lay all kinds of cool metaphor into the storytelling, and mostly it works. But I feel like maybe I feel like they've lent on leaned on this one a little too heavily. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because she does seem so, so disconnected. And I think that would be hard to do um, in this community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, so I, any predictions about, I mean, I think, you know, I think for my predictions for the next episode, Milton's clearly going to be on the war path to avenge. I don't know that it's a, it, like, sure, it'll be avenging Sebastian because that's kind of how they set it up. But I think basically avenging the fact that she's lost this power and maybe trying to grapple and get it back somehow. Yeah. For this, for this storyline, I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see. It'll be Hornsby versus Milton versus everybody. Yep. Um, I think, or maybe, maybe, or yeah. Maybe or bands back with Hornsby, who knows? So who, who knows um, if you saw any of the coming up next time, uh, it looks like there's going to be some motion side storytelling going on with Aaron and maybe the reveal finally of these, new types of zombies yes so because they they sort of teed that up in the they teed that up in the sort of uh trailers for next time right yeah exactly you have aaron talking about i've heard stories of zombies climbing over walls oh have you heard tell aaron who did you hear this from i don't know some french guy he used to travel a lot back in the Uh day uh but yeah suddenly this (laughs) does feel a little bit out of nowhere but he's going to be like, yes, of course. You haven't heard the tale of the of the zombies who can climb walls. They're called whisperers. I mean, first of all, <laughs> uh, but we'll see, right? So it's going to be a couple of weeks before we, or maybe we'll miss one week. I think until we can come back, and maybe I'll pull another episode out of the vault. I don't know. Do you want to listen to Days Gone By, um, mm-hmm. the first ever episode of The Walking Dead? Maybe as a, uh, um, you know, as a treat, a tasty treat. We'll see. Um, but this has been it's it's always fun to be in the Walking Dead Prime. I really have I hope that the new spin-offs can live up to this level. Angela Kang's moving on to new things. Um gosh, I don't know who's doing the show running. Do we know who's doing the show running next year? I don't think we do. Well, maybe they can get her to come back and do some more, but she's probably pretty happy to be done with it and moving on to new projects. She might be, although she really loves it. So again, I just it I comes think, across, doesn't it, in her after show explication? Yeah. Yeah. Like she really loves it, um, and I appreciate all that she's doing, and and I want to see her involved in so many different things. She's a ama- an amazing showrunner, so you know, yeah, maybe maybe she'll come back for guest stuff here and there. Who knows? Um, so. Oh, also, we didn't talk about this in the news, but there is a new Mike Flanagan show on netflix right now 
Oh. Actually, I texted a friend of the show, occasional guest star Kyle Diaz, because he's such a Flanagan head. I don't know if there's. A, <laughs> I a, did not know about this. But... It's called The Midnight Club. You probably have seen previews or promos for it, uh, but I'm definitely interested in watching it just to see if they have a lot of monologues. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there there are many monologues. Um, but I will definitely, uh, I will definitely check it out. Oh, look at, there it is on Netflix. Maybe and, you can, uh, uh, download a couple of episodes to watch on the plane. Uh, maybe, but you know, it sounds like I have a lot of things to catch up on right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know yet. We'll yeah. see. Okay. We'll see what I feel like binging. Yeah. Well, um, bon voyage to you. Don't go to France. I hear that's where those scary zombies are. Nope, no France in the cards for this trip. So, Terrific. so just you know, keeping it keeping it real. Um, uh, but uh, if you would like to to talk about your predictions or uh, you know, like let us know your thoughts about the end of this final season, the these last episodes as we're talking about them, feel free to reach out to us on the Twitters, which is Reanimated Pcast. You can also send us an email, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can just uh, look us up on, and you can look at all the episodes up on, on Podbean. Um, you have the address, Stuart, and I don't have that in my head yet. Sorry. <laughs> I, I don't even have it in my head. Don't worry about okay. it. Well, anyway, um, thank you all, as always, for listening. Until next time, ciao. Alrighty. Bye-bye, everybody. And it's reanimated.podbean.com. Ooh, good catch. Good catch. Okay. <laughs>